All right, well, hey, good morning to you all. Welcome to church. Welcome this morning to New Life Church. We're honored that you're with us this morning. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. Good to see you. Some of you switched seats today. Yeah, you didn't think I caught that. (laughs) Good for you for switching seats, switching it up. All right. Listen, I'm going to invite you to look at your Bibles in John chapter 17. John chapter 17. While you're getting there, I want to bring to your attention, we'll we'll give a little more um, direction on this later, but I wanted to bring to your attention, I received an email from Michael Turner, one of our missionary partners that we support, travels all over the globe, and and as you may remember, he has been um, helping the the Christians in... um, where has he been helping them at? In Ukraine. Thank you so much. In the Ukraine. And over the last 12 months, they have been instrumental in helping to provide, provide food and aid and different supplies to the Christians and to the churches there. And with this recent earthquake in, in southern Turkey uh, near Syria, as you know, over 25, 28,000 people have been killed. Countless more have been injured. As you can imagine, the devastation there, lot, there are believers there, and uh, so Michael and his, his ministry are taking their connections and their partners through the Balkan states, through the Balkan um, um, countries, and they're utilizing um, a, a structure there to get resources and food and other important needs down into Turkey. And so I, he just asked, he's just asking his different partners if they would consider making a donation to help fill those trucks, and, uh, and so we've shown reports the, val- the validity and the credibility of him and what they've been doing in the Ukraine, and he's going to carry that on, and so at the end today when we receive our offering, um, we're just going to ask if you could take a moment and consider making a, a, a love gift for that uh, s- special opportunity for us who are not devastated by our earthquake, uh, and we have the ability to do something, so I'm just asking you to uh, that we would all do something today, and that will uh, you'll just earmark that as Turkey, and it'll all go there to Michael as he will do what he does to reach and to help people, especially the believers there, and uh, get them up and going. So anyway, we'll talk more about that at the end, but just want to put that bug in your ear. John chapter 17, we started a message series last week about our core values. We have six core values here at New Life Church, and these are not just some things that we just, you know, kind of nonchalantly look at or believe. These are biblically-based uh, values that we hold dear to us that uh, they helped steer us uh, forward in our faith together as a church. They help guide us and kind of keep us on the right track. And so we're looking at them in, um, in, different, in different ways. And last week, uh, James brought one on kingdom-minded, the kingdom-minded core value and talking about identity. Today, we're going to look at a value called discipleship-driven discipleship driven. And let's look at our main text here in John chapter 17. I'm actually going to read it out of the message. And so if you don't have that message version available, you can follow along on on the screen behind me here. It's John chapter 17, and it's a prayer. This whole whole chapter is a prayer by Jesus for his current disciples and all other believers who would come to follow him like you and I today. John 17, 1 says, Jesus said these things. He said, raising his, and then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your Son, so the Son in turn may show your bright splendor. 
you put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all his care, to all in his care. And this is the real and eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. Would you pray with me over today's text? Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, forgive us where we have taken it for granted or not taken it serious. And today we ask that you would speak to us as it's being read and as it's being taught I ask that you would fill my heart and my mouth with your words. And Lord, may all of us receive what you want us to get today. Work it down into our life. May it take root and produce what it needs to according to your will and purpose for our lives. We yield to you now. May the the crop of our heart be open to receive the planting of your word, the watering of your word, the cultivation of your word, and the growth of your word in our life. We thank you now for that today in Jesus' name. Everyone can say amen and amen. So look at me uh, on the the screen, this value, discipleship-driven. It says, we at New Life Church value being true followers of Jesus. We are people of the Word of God. His Word is the bedrock of our faith and anchor of our souls. We are people of prayer. Relationship with God is important because a church that prays together stays together. We are a people of community. Relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ is important because a church that stays together can grow together. We are people of the Lord's table. Remembering Jesus' sacrifices often, it draws us closer to Him and His body. We aren't a perfect people but we are people following a perfect Savior. This, this whole description is really taken out of Acts chapter 2, uh, right at the, uh, at the height of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And over 3,000 people that day gave their lives to the Lord, came to believe in Him, and then the church was formed. The Spirit was poured out. The Spirit lit the flame for the church to be born and to be a light in this world. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it highlights those certain aspects that they practice and that they devoted themselves to. And we'll look at those a little bit later in detail. Basically, this description of being a disciple-driven church, it implies that we are all called to follow Jesus and to make Him the center of our life. And there's a story, there's a parable, or really a story uh, that Jesus highlights in Luke chapter 9, where he's walking along with his disciples. And I love how that, how that implies as he walks with them, and they walk with him. It implies relationship. It implies interaction together. Uh, it implies forward progress over different types of terrain as they walked. Because back then, that's all you, you walked you walked everywhere, and today most, if not all, people drive. In some places they walk, but the majority of us drive, and we 
cover all sorts of terrain, especially where there's construction and there's potholes and there's things like that that exist. And uh, we feel the effects of the terrain from which we travel. And he's walking along and someone says, Lord, I want to follow you. And he's like, that's awesome. But let me let you in on something. He's like, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. And, but I don't have anywhere to really lay my head. And he's saying, look, there are gonna be some ter- there's going to be terrain that you're going to travel on and walk on that's not going to always be comfortable. And, and then he said to another one, Jesus said, hey, will you follow me? And, and that person said, I, I, I will follow you, but can I, I, I need to go back home and bury my father first. And he said, you just need to let the dead bury the dead, and you need to go on and preach the kingdom of God. And I know that can sound somewhat kind of like, do you have a heart, Jesus? I mean, do you care? And what, if you look kind of in the culture of that time, what the guy was saying is, look, I want to go back home and wait for my father to pass so that I can receive my inheritance. And then, well, when I get my inheritance, when I got all I need, then I'll come and take a walk with you. And he's like, you know, following me, that sometimes the terrain you walk on, there's, you're going you're to encounter challenges along the way. And then he said, and then another one said to him, hey, the third said, I want to follow you, but first let me go back home and tell all my family goodbye. And then this famous part that Jesus says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He's like, you know what, there's going to be terrain, there's going to be terrain that you're going to travel on and walk on with me that is not always going to be convenient. So there's going to be all these different types of terrain that in life that's not going to be comfortable. What are you going to do then? It's, it's, not always going to be, um, it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be challenges that's going to present itself in your path. What are you going to do then? There's going to be times where it's not always convenient to say yes to me and, and follow through with me. And what, what are you going to do then? The message translation says it this way, that last verse, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. This is what the message says. No pro, Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Seize the day. And that's what I want to capitalize on in these next few minutes that I have with you this morning is I want to talk to you about as a Being a discipleship-driven church means we have to seize the day. We have to take advantage of our moment. We have to apply ourselves to this now. Give ourselves fully to Jesus now. Not halfway in, not halfway out, but go all in with the Lord. And Jesus, I think, is saying, look, there will be this kind of terrain that's, that's challenging, that's not comfortable, it's not convenient sometimes. But he's also, think, I think he's also implying It could be looked at as don't wait for life to get comfortable for you to say yes to me and seize the day. Don't wait for challenges to be all pushed away out of your life and everything seems to be easy for you to say yes to me. Don't don't wait for it to be convenient for you to say yes to me. Follow me. Follow me. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus and aims to make him the center of their life. Seize the day. Come on, can you say seize the day? 
So what does it look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus, to make him the center of our life as life is full of all kinds of terrain, uncomfortable times, inconvenient times, challenging terrain in our life? What does it look like or what can it look like to make Jesus the center of our life and to follow him regardless of the terrain we walk on? Well, I think that answer can be found there in the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Jesus has been spending time with his disciples, been preparing them for his departure and trying to help them understand kind of what's going on. And even though it was still hard to grasp, and he, and he stops and he's like, I, I, I've got to just pray for you. I've got to pray for you and I've got to pray for everyone else in this world who will come after you and put their trust in me. And he prays the beginning of this prayer, there, there are these three main components that exist that stick out on what it looks like for you and I to follow Jesus. What makes it possible to follow Jesus? What it, what it looks like? What, what, it, what can come out of our life to, to show that we are following Jesus and we're making him the center of our life? The first one is there in verse 3. Jesus prays and he said, This is eternal life, that they may know you the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To seize the day, to be a disciple, to follow Christ. First, the prayer of Christ is that we would know God with our life. More than anything, he didn't pray that make them rich, make them famous, make them have everything in this life. All, everything would be met without any hiccups, without any problems, without any issues, without any inconveniences. Take all the challenges away. He didn't pray that. He prayed, may they know you. And so for you and I to follow Christ, to make him and keep him center of our life, his prayer, the prayer of Jesus for us is that we would know God with our life. Know him with our life. Life, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything in us, our spirit, our soul, and our body would know God with our life. How do you know someone? It takes time, right? It's developed. That word know there that Jesus prays means to learn to know. It implies it takes time to grow in the knowledge of. It means to get to know personally. And that is the beauty of God is He is not distant. He's not just sitting on a throne covered in gold with a scepter waiting for us to just fall and make mistakes and come up short so that He can send us all to whatever. No, he wants to know us personally. Jesus prayed, I pray that they would know you. Eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. God makes life with him, relationship with him, personal. 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 So if we want to follow Jesus and we want to make him center of our life, we have to seize the day. We have to take advantage of this life, this one life that you and I have on this earth. We're born and we will die. What do we do between the two? 
What do we do between, with the dash, between birth and death? What do we do with it? What do we do with it? What do we do with that dash? How do we live? What are we pursuing? Who are we trying to get to know? Jesus' prayer is that we would know Him with our life. And in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit's poured out. Peter preaches. 3,000 people come to the Lord. Look at this in verse 42. Three thousand in all. Says all of those believers. That is amazing. All of those believers instantly devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, its communion, and to prayer. And it goes on and it talks about how all these signs and wonders and these miracles were performed by the apostles, and how each one sold things and gave their profit to them to the church to help those in need, and they use their gifts to serve one another. And then at the end of that, in verse 47, it says, And God was well pleased, and He was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. Adding to the church daily those who were being saved. You see, as we as believers seek to make Jesus center and keep Him center and follow Him, and we apply ourselves to this pattern and this mold that God had formed through the Holy Spirit in the work of of the early church. Not only are our lives enriched and we grow in Christ, but God uses us to then reach others to have that same opportunity to come to, to the knowledge of Jesus and to grow and to live for Him. This was a New Testament model and pattern. The picture is this, is that individually this is done inside of a community. The picture is that each one of these 3,000 people individually are living this faith out inside of a faith community, the church, the Word of God. Not only were they, are we intended to learn how to read the Word, study the Word on our own individually, but we are also called to study it together as the church. We're called to come to it, come to the pages of Scripture together as a church, called to pray called to pray. When we pray, we pray, obviously we pray on our own. We talk to the Lord on our own. We have this communion with God on our own individually, but it's also lived out and expressed inside of a community. I learned to have to develop a prayer life because I sat around others who had a prayer life and I could hear them pray their prayers. And it began to teach me, oh, that's what that means, how to pray and how to talk to the Lord. I didn't know how to talk to God when I first got saved. I was like, uh, nothing. I don't know. What? But the more I was around others who were praying, the more it taught me how to pray. The more it encouraged me to pray, the more I realized I can't make a mistake in my praying. God factors in our stupidity in his sovereignty. Right, Thomas? (laughs) The coin phrase of Thomas Farkas. And I'm so glad he does. You know what's so cool is when you're around others who are praying and you're like, man, I didn't know you could pray like that. Look at you praying. 
dang, that just did something in my heart. I'm around people, around you, around others. And if you, if you judge a book by its cover, you might miss what's inside, right? And he was like, you hear them pray, you're like, holy cow, they just got a hold of God. There's some f- friends that we've known over the years and a diff- from a different denominational belief, and they would often call my wife to pray for them. They said, let's call the charismatic principal over at FCS because she can get a hold of God for us. And they're like, wow. People want, we want, we should be able to put ourselves in position that if we want to grow in the knowledge of God's word, we want to grow in praying, we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus, then we have to put ourselves in the context of community to see how it all gets fleshed out and how it all gets worked out. You see, that's why we can't do God alone. We can't do God minus church. It's impossible. Impossible. Oh, you can individually believe. There is absolutely no way you're going to fully, fully give yourself the full permission to advance in what God has called you to without the context of community. You see, people get, get this church thing mixed up a lot of times because, yes, the church is imperfect, but we have to remember we're not, we're not perfect, but our Savior is, our shepherd is. And just as he treats us, we are also to treat others. Isn't he kind to you? Isn't he nice to you? Isn't he gracious to you? Isn't he so understanding to you? Yeah, isn't he, isn't he patient with our stubbornness. It isn't, it, yeah. And shouldn't we be that with each other? How else are we going to know if we've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful, self-control growing in our life? Well, put us in a room with full other people that, that we may not always get along with, and you'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out real fast. I go to Walmart like I did yesterday. I know, I'm going to step on toes because mine got cut off in Walmart yesterday. The Lord ripped me a new one yesterday. Coming out of a good marriage conference, my wife and I got to go to here in town, and it's like, this is good stuff, talking about healthy expectations. I carried those expectations into Walmart, and those expectations got shot to death. Felt like I was standing in line in a prison waiting for my food. And I thought, it ain't that hard to ring up your stuff. I didn't say it. I just thought it real loud. (laughs) You need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart, people. That's a mission field. Realized real fast, I don't think I know the Lord as, as much as I thought I knew him. And he's looking down trying to tell me something. And I'm like, I ain't listening. <laughs> now I'm watching, I'm looking around at other people, and they're just like, they don't have a, they don't care. It's not bothering them, man. It's bothering me to pieces. 
can't, the app won't work that Walmart has. The app, trying to, you try to scan an item to see how much it costs because they didn't put the price out there. They done took it off, going to hide it from you. And I take the app to try to snap a picture to see, okay, let's just see how much it won't load. We're having technical errors, sir. Just try back next week. I'm like, I'm not coming back next week. Watch God have only one thing to be found. Where is it going to be found? Walmart. Where am I going to have to go, Tammy? Walmart. Yes. We need to know God with our life. How else are we going to make Jesus the center and follow him when life's inconvenient at Walmart and other places and other things? Let's look at the second one. What does it look like to make Jesus the center and follow him through all the terrain of life? It's this verse 4, Jesus prayed, I glorified you on earth, God, by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. I glorified you by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. To glorify God with our life is another part of what it looks like that shows that we are following Jesus and we are keeping him the center. To glorify Him. What's it mean to glorify God with our life? Do we just walk through life every day just saying, I glorify you, I glorify you, I glorify you? No, it shouldn't. Yes, we should glorify Him. Yes, we should say things of praise and that sort of thing. But it needs to illuminate out of our life. To glorify God with our life, it does. It means to praise Him. It means to honor Him. It means to magnify Him with how we live. You see, how I live matters. What I do with my life matters, right? Right? Anybody listening? Are you still stuck on my Walmart story? (laughs) How I live and what I do with my life matters. Look at Acts 20, verse 24. This is near Paul's journey, one of his final journeys, or it is his final journey. And he says this in verse 24, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Unless I finish the work assigned. And we glorify God with our life when we finish our assignment that God has assigned to us. So that means it's not over until God says it's over. Life's not finished until he says it is. Seasons of life don't end until God says it's time to change gears. It's time to turn the page. Whatever it is in our life that we feel God has called us to, that we have given commitment to, that we have entered into covenant with, and God says, this is where I want you, this is who I want you with, this is what I want you to do with your life, in this time of your life, this is it. And so the problem is this fallen world that we live in has the effect of sin and sickness and other, other, other things that have great effect on our life, have great effect on our life. Because when we go through stuff, when, when we 
let's just say one thing, when we, we're go, dealing with physical trials, we've got physical problems, physical ailments. They, have, they, 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 they create a burden on us, right? We get worried about ourselves. We get worried about a loved one. And, uh, and the effects of this fallen world on our bodies makes a big difference. And what can happen is the burden and the problems that we deal with and the trials that we encounter can become bigger and louder than God's purpose for our life. And that's what the enemy wants to see happen. But I believe that we serve a God who does heal. I believe we serve a God who does forgive. I believe we serve a God who sets free from any strongholds that you and I may have in our life, from any generational curses that may follow us. I believe Jesus, by the stripes on His back, says we are healed. And so are things you and I can encounter, are things you and I will deal with, there are things you and I will face. There's terrain that's not comfortable, terrain that's challenging, terrain that is not convenient. And it has an effect on our life. Paul said, look, I know what it's like to be well-fed, and I know what it's like to not have a lot. I know what it's like to have much, and I know what it's like to have very little. But right here, he says, nothing matters to me more than finishing the assignment God has given me. So, friends, you and I, the way you and I show that we are following Jesus, that we are driven to follow Him and to make Him the center of our life, is we have to be determined, with my life, I will glorify you. In this marriage, I will glorify you. Raising my children, I will glorify you. On my job, I will glorify you. My trips to Walmart, I will glorify you. People in church that I have conflict with, it happens. I will glorify you. Because there's terrain in life that's challenging, not comfortable, inconvenient. But what will we do? Will we shut down? Will we just go in hibernation and isolate and remove ourselves from people? Live on the fat of the land somewhere out in the middle of nowhere where nobody can see us, touch us, smell us? Tempting. No. No. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to glorify Him with how I live my life. Number three, and i got to get done. Talking about seize the day, don't put it off, don't wait till all of life gets comfortable, there's no challenges, it's so convenient to serve the Lord. Don't put it off, seize the day, take advantage of it. Follow Jesus. Make Him the center. Verse 5. Jesus prayed, And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. We make Jesus the center and follow Him because we will enter into His glory with our life. We know God. We're called to know God with our life. We're called to glorify God with our life. Ultimately, We're called to enter into God's glory with our life. Look at these final few verses. Philippians 3, familiar to a lot of us. Paul says in verse 14, I press on 
after he just got through saying, I haven't completed it, I haven't arrived, I'm not perfect, I've been at it a long time, but here's the thing, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And look what he told his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Verse 6, he says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He said, The time of my death is near. I'm about to die, uh, Timothy. I'm about to, this is it. I don't have many days left. He said, But here's the thing I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And this prize is not just for me. But it's for all who eagerly look forward to His appearing, the appearing of Christ. Heaven, ultimately, is our home. This earth, we're pilgrims on. We're traveling through it. All this stuff on this planet, we will not take it with us. It will not travel with us. Somebody might try to stick something in your coffin, but it's not going to go with your soul. It brings them comfort here, but it does not travel with you there. But there is a prize. And the prize, I think, think it, it says the word prize because I think it has so much more meaning and value and description that it's hard to give adjectives to. As, as good as the revelation that John the Apostle had of heaven of the new, and the new earth and the new heaven and all of that that Jesus is going to make happen, listen, until you experience it, it's hard to give. I think it's just real hard to give adjectives to. But the heaven is real, and it's our prize. And it's for all those who say yes to Jesus. It's for all those who, who, who accept the Savior in their life. It's for all those who follow Jesus and make Him the center of our life. And you travel through all sorts of terrain that's unfair, that's inconvenient, and that is challenging to our lives. But if we will press in and press on and seize the day, we will enter into God's glory with our life. May we make it our aim to keep our eyes on Jesus and press on to reach heaven. As I close today, I want to bring your attention to something. You might have already heard about it. But there are reports of revival sprouting up in America. Particularly on campuses. One in particular is not far from here in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University. I just want to read a few of these statements that that has been going on since Thursday. In their their chapel service on Thursday at 10 a.m., said it hasn't stopped. Today's Sunday. It's still going. said all night and all day this one person says I'm in the auditorium now and it's getting deeper and wider and another report said more people are arriving in all caps worship 
And the third person that they, they don't name, they said there's an uproar coming from this auditorium. It's a tangible thickness that is present. There is a weight in the air and people keep pouring in. And they said, I was just told a busload of students from Indiana Wesleyan University are on their way here now to this campus. And they, were, and they also said, I was just told that this Asbury revival is now impacting another university, Ohio Christian University. Just down the road in Memphis, at an academic, at a school, First Assembly Christian School, K through 12, pre-K through 12, they've been open for 50 years. It said for 50 years they have an annual scheduled spiritual emphasis week, and they finished on Friday. And they said this year's spiritual emphasis week was the most significant in the history of our school of 50 years. It says, for the first time ever, faculty and students requested that we extend chapel service an extra day. And they said, today when the call was extended to come and pray, there were more students at the altar seeking Jesus than there were students who remained in their seats. This is just down the road. This just happened Friday, two days ago. Said it wasn't a quick trip to the altar. All these students lingered to pray for over 45 minutes. And it said their lives were transformed. Sins were forgiven. Emotions were healed. Scores and scores of students will never be the same again. And this person who wrote this said, I wish you could have been with me today in that room and heard some of these testimonials. All I can say is to God be the glory. Because I think in both of those instances and anywhere else God's power and His Spirit's moving, there's a group of people who are committed to seize the day. They're committed to know God with their life. They're committed to glorify God with their life and they're not ashamed to live for Jesus. And they know heaven is a real, real, eternal place. And they're going to do all they can to make sure as many people as around them travel with them to that home one day in their souls. Will you stand with me?